Hi there. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I don't know why that was funny, but it was. Um, good morning. My name is David. I am the uh, lead pastor here. Uh, you know, I, I, this morning, our passage is on the topic of judging. And so I came up with this idea this week that I would do this experiment with my own life for your pleasure, my pain, where for 24 hours, I would keep track of every single time I judged another person. That sounds fun, right? And I thought, okay, what I'll do is I'll just, every time I have a sort of judgmental thought, I think negatively about another person, I'll, I'll, I'll write it down, I'll keep track. I'm thinking, I don't know, what would you think? I was thinking, I don't know, I'll have five or six really good ones uh, by, the end of the, by the end of the 24 hours. Well, by the time that I had left the restaurant that I was at, <clears throat> Culver's, um, I had, don't judge me, uh, <laughs> I, I was already at five and so I'm going to read to you some of the judgments I had uh, over a 24-hour period. Um, I thought, huh, that man next to me must not have any self-awareness because he's basically screaming into his cell phone at a restaurant. I thought, why is that person wearing camo pants and a dress shirt? <laughs> I thought, why is that person mowing her lawn? It looks like it doesn't even need to be cut. I had this thought, I thought, oh, I better remind that group of people this. And then I judged, and I thought, because they'll never remember. And then I, I was uh, driving out uh, in Blaine, and I saw someone with their uh, contractor sign up still for hail damage. And I thought, ah, oh, why does that person still have their sign up? You know, they must have just, I bet they just drive out of their driveway every day, and they don't even notice it's there anymore. And on and on and on and on it went, and I tallied 21 judgments in 24 hours. Now, in my defense, part of those 24 hours, I was at the state fair. <laughs> Which I thought, I should have just been in a hole for 24 hours, right? Then it might have, might, have been a, might have been okay. I had a couple of thoughts. One of the first thoughts that I had was, oh, man, I'm sick. Like, I know I'm a sinner. I don't have any illusions that I'm some amazing person. But uh, just how deep sin runs in our hearts. And my second thought was, what, like, what does this do to our hearts, right, to live that way, to always live in judgment over other people all day long, 21 times in a day? Like, what's that doing to my heart? In our passage today, Jesus is going to tell us that it's not good for us. Uh, I would love for you to follow along as we open up God's word. Uh, there's a Bible uh, under every chair. We're going to be on page 837. Uh, we look to God's word. That's what guides us on how to live. Uh, or uh, you can use the Renovation Church app. You just have Bible uh, and weekly verses. And so we're going to see that not only are we called, in a sense, not to judge, but it's a bit nuanced and that in some ways there is a judgment we should use, and we're going to try and work through all of that this morning. Uh, we've been in Luke chapter 6 for much of the latter half of the summer. We're now in uh, verse 37. Uh, here's what it says. It says, Jesus is talking, and he says, Do not judge. And you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye 
and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. All right, so Jesus starts off by saying, he says, do not judge. Before we go uh, any further, uh, let's just be clear. Uh, The word judge, like a lot of words in English, means more than one thing. In fact, you open up your dictionary, you're going to see that the word judge, when it's used as a verb actually has 10 different definitions, right? On the one hand, there is to judge, to assess, to evaluate if something is good or bad, if it is right or wrong. And so we have to ask, is that what Jesus is talking about when he says, do not judge? Is he saying, don't make a determination on what is right and what is wrong? Of course not. And and we know that by context. And yet, So often, this verse is used with that interpretation. Like, you might take a stance on a moral issue or something, and someone who doesn't know Christ might say to you, yeah, but remember, do not judge. Which in itself is a judgmental statement, right? That's kind of the irony of it. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here, and context proves that to us. You go down to verse 42 when he's talking about taking the speck out of someone's eye. Well, you have to make an evaluative judgment first. Like, oh, there's a speck in their eye, and that's probably not good for them. So that's not the type of judgment he's talking about. And you see that from all of Scripture. John chapter 7. Jesus says, stop judging by appearances, but judge correctly. Excuse me. In just about every other chapter of the New Testament, Christians are called to make a judgment on something being right or wrong. So what in the world does Jesus mean in verse 37 when he says, do not judge? Like it would be Now, remember, we're translating from Greek into English, so it would be helpful if we had more than one word than just judge, right? But we don't, so we have to try and parse and figure this out. The clue is in the rest of verse 37. Jesus says, do not judge, and right after we're told, do not condemn. And so we are to not judge like God is going to one day judge the earth. Think of it that way. We're not to come down on people and say, oh, they're condemned. They're a lost cause. They're bad. They're, I, I bet that person's walking away from God right now. Right? They're terrible parents. She's a bad mom. He really messed up his life, and there's no way it's getting back together. That kind of judging is not our place. God has not given you the authority or the position to make those sort of statements about where people are headed. That's beyond just a qualitative judgment of right and wrong. That kind of judgment is not only bad for the person, it's bad for you and your heart. Let me make another uh, sort of note on this passage that I think will be helpful as we apply it before we kind of break it down. In context here, Jesus is talking about judgment within the Christian community. So if you look at the text, he says, take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's talking about the people that you know, your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ. And so this is not a message. It's not a passage, and this is not a message on judging non-believers out in the world. right? Because there's a lot of this. You can look out of the world today and all the stuff that's going on and say, oh, it's not a passage about this. In fact, there is another passage about that. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 5.12, what business is it of mine 
to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? That doesn't mean, again, that you don't make assessments on right or wrong, but we judge people not saying, hey, you don't know Jesus, get your act together. We say, no, 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 the key here is you just need to know Jesus, right? And so while we talk about judgment, keep in mind that we're kind of within the circle of Christian community today. I believe as we look through this passage in Luke 6, we're really given uh, three reasons not to judge with a condemning spirit. Let's just walk through them. Uh, The first one really is for our own benefit, and that is this. Three reasons not to judge. Number one, the way you judge others will be the way others judge you. Now, that's that's a bit proverbial in nature, right? But I think you're going to see that this actually ends up being true most of the time. This is the teaching of of verses 37 and 38. Jesus says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. The way you judge others is the way others will judge you. That's the essence of those verses. By the way, this is not karma. Sometimes Christians throw throw out that word. Oh, this is just karma. No, no. Karma is from Eastern religions, not from Christianity. Uh, This is closer to the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. This is a general principle. What you proverbially here means generally what you lay down in the soil of your life is what will be reaped. If you're the type of person that offers forgiveness frequently to other people, often, not always, often that will be returned to you. Let me explain this in a different way. Over a decade ago, I came across a study that I've just always remembered in my mind. And it was a teacher long ago who did this experiment with all of her classes. And eventually it was published into a study. She would have her students, she would only give them 30 seconds, and she said, I want you to just write down the initials of all of the other students in the class that you dislike. By the way, you can never do this uh, nowadays, but they did it, and now we can learn from it. And she said she eventually saw this pattern that just crazy jumped off the page. And the pattern was this. Those who disliked the largest number of people. She said some people just wrote down one person. Some wrote down as many as 14 in the class that they disliked. And she found that those who disliked the largest number of people were always also themselves the most widely disliked. In the class. Well, what is that? That's this general rule. See, if you're always in your heart carrying around judgment and hate and disdain, if you're the type of person that's just always complaining about, I can't believe my coworkers, you never believe what they did. Let me just tell you this. Oh, they're just so annoying. And oh, the people I work with are my neighbors. But if, if that's who you are, what happens is you can't contain that just internally. It spills out on other people. And then guess what? People are going to have a hard time with you. But if you're the type of person that's always carrying around grace and forgiveness and giving people the benefit of the doubt, well, then people are, not always, but people generally will be much more likely to give that back to you. This is do not judge and you will not be judged. All right, let's work through the second reason. So we started with the way you judge others is the way others judge you. But here's another reason that we shouldn't look at people and just judge with this condemning spirit. And that's because we are blinded by our own sin. 
We don't see clearly like God does to make a judgment because we're blinded by our own sin. This is verse 41 of our passage. Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? We are all miserable sinners. I just look deeply into my own wicked heart for 24 hours, and I judged people over 20 times. And a few of you judged me for that. You did. You went, oh, that's kind of a lot. It's kind of thinking it might be lower, right? Why do we do, like, why do we do that? Why did you do that when I said that number? We do it because it just feels good to kind of prop yourself up a little bit on the judgment seat. We love being up a little higher and everyone else a little lower. And we just do this all day long. We do it in our marriages. Right? There's a problem in your marriage. And you know how the other person is messing up, right? We don't look at ourselves. But if we do this at work, right? Work is stressful and it's kind of toxic. And you know what each of your coworkers are doing to bring to the problem. But we don't think too hard about ourselves. Jesus is just saying to you, I'm sorry, but that's not who you are. You are not above your fellow sinners. And I think for a lot of us, we just don't understand how much sin we have. And we don't understand what it means to be in community with other people while we are carrying around such sin. And so I wanted to just make this visually more apparent to you so you could understand this. And I think this would be helpful. Um, This is me, and this is my plank in my eye, okay? So I I, I know it's funny, but I think there's some things we can actually learn from this visual. Uh, For instance, if you look at verse 41, one of the things that Jesus says is he says, we pay no attention to the plank in our own eye. In fact, if I close one of my eye, in my peripheral vision that I have right now, I actually can't even see this. Can anyone else in the room see this right now? Okay, that's what it's like living as a human being. And this is so true. Most of the time, it's actually easier for the people that are close to you in your life to see your sin than it is for you to see it. This is why Christian community is so important. This is why when we have house group signups next week, that all of you need to sign up. Because I can only see so much of myself, and you can see more of me that I can't see. Another thing I think we can learn from this actual visual illustration is one of the things that I've learned in life is that Christians who haven't come to terms yet with just how invasive and all-encompassing their sin is in their life, they don't notice the plank. They haven't acknowledged it yet, are often people who are incredibly sensitive to criticism. And so what happens if you come up to me, I'm walking around like this, and you come up to me and you say, hey, David, ah, gosh, I don't know how to tell this to you, but there's a huge plank in your eye, right? And if I don't believe that, I'm going to be incredibly sensitive, defensive to what you said. Like, if I don't believe there's anything there, and you said there's a huge plank, I'm going to say, how dare you? How dare you make that outlandish claim about my life? People who haven't come to terms yet with how big their sin is. 
of how much of a sinner they are are incredibly sensitive to people pointing out that anything's wrong. But if you know it's there and you know, yeah, I'm just, I'm fallen, I got tons of sin, but I'm so thankful Jesus has forgiven me, and you come up to him and say, yeah, it's there, it's, that's something, right? Keeps me humble, you know, it just keeps me humble. I know that I need Jesus. Okay, what else can you learn from this visual? I think we could also learn this. How frustrating would it be, how ineffective would it be if I, not acknowledging the plank in my eye, came up to you and said, friend, I just want to talk to you. You, you've got an anger problem and you, uh, your, your drinking is out of control and you're just so, and I think I'm the person to fix it. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? I couldn't even get close enough to someone to do anything. And if you were the other person, you would be looking at me going, I do, uh, bro, uh, you don't even know there's a huge plank in your eye. You don't have a basic awareness for that. So how could I trust you to be the person to help me? See, that's what's happening in your life if you haven't first acknowledged your own plank, like Jesus says. I sometimes think that trying to help other people deal with their stuff when you haven't dealt with yours is like offering your services as a one-eyed surgeon. And no one's excited about that. If you're about to have surgery at Mercy Hospital or something and you get assigned a surgeon, you go to their website and you, you start you know, scrolling through to get their biography and a picture comes up and it's a surgeon with a, a pirate's patch on their eye, Right? You're probably not excited about what's going to happen. You know, one of the things that I think Jesus is bringing out in this illustration, too, is if you, if you actually lose sight in one of your eyes, which you would if you, if you had an enormous plank, one of the things that you lose when you lose sight is you lose what's called true depth perception. And see, when we're blinded by our own sin, we haven't acknowledged it yet, we actually don't see anyone else's issues with any true depth. We just tend to make really quick snap judgments about things. Uh, this is in line with the old statement. Many of you maybe heard this before. Just a good truism. That we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we tend to judge others by their behavior. And we do this all the time. I do this all the time. So what we do, when I mess up, Right, You mess up. You yourself make a mistake. We want other people to see our intentions. Right? To take into consideration you know, our family situation that kind of led up to it, our past experiences, our ability, about a thousand other considerations. This is why when I felt embarrassed that I told you that it was 21 times in 24 hours, I said, yeah, but take, keep in mind I was at the state fair. Right? I want you to consider all of my intentions. But when other people around us sin, we almost never think about what their intentions or situation might have been. We just make a snap judgment on their behavior that we can just see externally. Blinded by our sin. We're like one-eyed surgeons trying to make, with no depth, just make a snap judgment on how we could fix their life. In fact, when I look back through my list of 21 judgments... I realized that I never took any time to think about what their intentions might have been for any of those people. Because that's kind of what a judgment is, right? You make a quick judgment, a quick judgment that just says, oh, that's wrong. 
rather than thinking, and this is a really good discipline if you want to work on judgment. If you don't think you need to work on judgment, then try and see how many you have in 24 hours. But if you want to work on it, one of the things that you can do is to say, the, the feeling of judgment comes in, and you think through, okay, but what might have been their intention? What might have they been dealing with? And so I started to do this going back through my 21 judgments. And I thought, okay, the woman, for instance, who's mowing her short lawn, maybe she had to do so. I don't know, maybe her brother just died on the East Coast. And she's got to go out there for the funeral, and she's got to be out there for 10 days, and she just had to get ahead on it. I don't know. That totally could have been the case, right? Uh, the guy who's talking loud on his phone in Culver's, maybe he never does that normally, but maybe he's just incredibly hard of hearing and he had to take that phone call. I don't know. Uh, the person who's got their hail sign out still, right? Maybe they're in a, just a real tough situation and their contractor hasn't come through for them and it's been a stress in their life. I don't know. Uh, the guy in the dress shirt and camo pants. I had nothing for that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I need help a lot of it. Uh, so, I, like, how do you do this well then, okay? Because the passage seems to move beyond, you know, avoiding just the condemning judgments, but you're supposed to make some sort of evaluative judgment to move in if there is significant sin. So how do you live in that tension? That's what I want to spend the rest of our time looking on. Uh, so this is, look back to verse 42. Jesus says, first take the plank out of your eye, And then you will see clearly to remove the speck. So you are supposed to do something from your brother's eye. Now that, that's not a condemning judgment, right? That's something else. In fact, I would put it this way. Uh, We are actually to restore, not just judge. Not just, we're not supposed to be there just judging on the sideline. But if it is a best friend, a good friend, someone in your small group, maybe a a Christian family member, someone you really know, and you look at their lives and something significant is happening, something damaging to their life, that we're actually supposed to move in, and the Bible would use the language, restore them to walking with Christ. This comes from Galatians chapter 6. Paul says it this way. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, right, the speck is in their eye, You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. So how do we practically do this? I just want to give you kind of three practical ways to think about living out this process of helping someone who's got a speck stuck in their eye. First principle is this. If you don't really know that person, you don't have a relationship with them, they're not a close friend, then stop the judging in your mind right there. Right? We're told we're supposed to take the speck out of our brother's eye. Right? It's just your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ. Not, your, not a stranger's eye. Not an acquaintance's eye. If you have no intention of helping them restore the issue and get following Christ again, then right then and there you've got to say, this is what the scripture says, to take your thought captive. So I'm, I'm going to stop that. I don't need to keep judging them because I have no intention. I don't even have the relationship with them to start moving forward and restoring them to following Christ. And I think if we followed that biblical principle, that would cut off most of our judgments for a lot of us. In fact, as I went through my list 
of 21 judgments, over half of them were about people that I didn't even know. I was just driving by and I saw them. What a waste of my mental space. Seriously. What a waste of my thinking. I just have that tossing around my mind. And if you're letting your mind do, keep, if you let your mind do this, and just judging people you don't even know, I just want you to know that's, that's, that's a damaging to your heart, to your spiritual heart. Every time you drive by or you're walking to some public place and you're just making judgments, what's that act, what that actually is doing is it's like injecting yourself with a little bit of the sin of pride each time. <laughs> that person. Because <sighs> what are you doing? You're actually pumping yourself above them. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't wear camo pants with that, right? That's what you're doing. You're, you're pumping yourself up with pride. And then the devil's also tricking you to just get focused on everybody else's sin and not your own. So I would just tell you, for your own sanity, for your own spiritual health, when those thoughts come in, just take them captive and say, I'm, I, Lord, help me. I surrender that thought to you. It is a waste of my time. Okay, secondly, let's say it is a person that you know and they've done something. What you need to do next is weigh out, okay, is this serious enough that I need to have a conversation with them. And I think eight times out of ten, it's probably not, right? If we live in community with each other as a bunch of sinners, right, we wouldn't have time to sit down and have all these talks. We're just too sinful. I can't, to my two-year-old son, Lincoln, sit him down every five minutes and say, Lincoln, sit down. We're having an intervention. You knocked over the Duplos again. Right? You just you can't, you can't live like that. So, but then let's get to the third point. What if you do assess that this is your, maybe it's your adult child who's following Christ. Right? Maybe it's uh, your best friend. You know, it's someone in your small group. Someone you really know, and you've assessed that whatever they've kind of gotten into, it's damaging. It's actually damaging their marriage right now. Right? It's, it's pulling them away from Christ. It's it's in their eye, and it's hurting them, whether they want to admit it or not. Then what do we do? Christians are called, as the scripture says, to gently restore them. And I really believe that's the middle ground, and and most Christians have been on one of two of the far ends of the continuum and rarely are in the middle. It used to be Christians were more often on this end of the continuum where we kind of look at people and we kind of gossip and say, stick our noses in the air. Can you believe Ethel? I just, "Mm, she's sinning again. I'm just going to stick our noses up. We don't help Ethel. We just sit here in judgment, right? I would say that we are more apt nowadays in 2018 to be on the far other end of the continuum. We look at our brothers and sisters in Christ who are sinning and it's damaging their lives and we say, oh, but who am I to say anything into their life? You know what? God loves them. They just can continue doing what they want and he loves them anyway. We don't do anything. And scripture points us to a middle ground. That if someone that you know has something in their eye and it's hurting them, we're supposed to humbly, gently help them get it out. 
But you can't do that well unless you understand the first couple points that we had on the screen from the passage. Right? We, we've got to understand, this is so important to spiritual maturity, by the way. You have to understand as a Christian that you live in this tension that you are both incredibly sinful and incredibly loved. When you understand both of those things, you'll move forward in restoration with people. But if you just understand one, you're going to mess it up. You'll come in thinking, oh, I'm incredibly sinful. Oh, who am I, right? And that's not going to work. Or you'll come in not thinking about your own sin. You'll come in thinking, oh, well, let me help you out. And that's not going to work either. But if you can reach out to someone and you say, hey, you know how messed up I am. Right? I talk about it all the time. I'm a, I'm a wreck. <laughs> I'm just, maybe not a wreck, but you know I've got my problems. And yet... I know that Jesus loves me and forgives me, and I know that living in his will is what's best for me. And I've been looking at your life, and friend, I feel like you're drifting from Jesus. And I just know that you will find your life, and I believe you know this too, in coming back to him and following him. And so I just, as another broken person, I want to talk to you about what you're struggling with. And that's sort of the middle ground that the scriptures are talking about. Uh, my wife and I were talking uh, a week or two ago about a woman that we, we both know who is incredibly self-deprecating in like a really positive way. She's really good at just kind of making jokes about herself. Uh, she's a parent, has a few kids, and is really good with other women just talking about oh, man, let me tell you this crazy story about where I did a terrible job as a parent, right? And a, a lot of the women in her life just love her because she's really good at just making jokes about, hey, this plank is there, God's helping me work on it, but she's just honest about her shortcomings. As we were talking about this woman, uh, we were talking about that, you know, there are a lot of other people out there nowadays who, probably for all of time, who talk about how awesome their kids are. And when you talk to them, most of their conversations are about how their parenting philosophy is, I don't even say it this way, but is superior to yours. And that's just, you know anybody like this? You know what I'm talking about? Now let me ask you a question. Let's say you get into a spot in your life that's particularly challenging. And you need, what you, honestly, what you need is for someone to come into your life and talk to you about it and challenge you in it. Which of those two types of people do you want coming in? The person that can joke about their own shortcomings and is honest about it? Or do you want the person who is always superior to everyone else coming in and talking to you? You want the person that you can identify with. And see, we need to talk to our friends and family in the same way. Well, we can come in and say, hey, I just want you to know, I'm coming into this like a one-eyed surgeon. I probably don't really see your intentions correctly. I could be wrong here. Uh, It's hard for me to see through my own sin, but because I can see a part of you that you maybe can't even see, I want to talk to you about this. And and I don't think that I can fix you. I'm just a one-eyed surgeon, but I know the master surgeon. And I know that he can help. And so I just encourage you today, stop, first of all, stop judging people you aren't in a position to restore. If it's a person who's not even a Christian yet, 
I read this from a friend the other day. You, you, you got to stop expecting people that don't have the spirit of Christ to act like Christ. They just need Jesus. And with the Christians that you are in a position to restore, enter the conversation humbly. Admit you're just a one-eyed surgeon, but you know the master surgeon, the one that loves them so much that he took their plank of sin and died on it. Let me pray. Lord, we come here today as a group of sinners, the sinners of Renovation Church. God, I am nothing but a sinner with a microphone. And we just pray, God, A, that you would continue, Father, in your love to have mercy on us. And we pray, God, that you would teach us how to look at people like you look at people. God, give us your heart for them. And help us just live out this challenging passage well. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Renovation Church. My name is